You're listening to the Fat Dude Digs Flicks Movie Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? This is Andy, the resident fat dude of Fat Dude Digs Flicks, coming to you recorded from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And again, let's just get right into it. You know what you're here for. It's a new episode of Let's Talk About this week's episode, I am joined by another one of my old friends. I'm really enjoying this kind of stroll down memory lane. I've said that before. I'll say it again. And every time that I get a guest from uh, back in the day, uh, I will make sure that I say how much I enjoy this. But it was just, it was a ton of fun to get to speak to my guest. My guest today is Charles Holman, one of the first people that I met when I moved to Texas, like literally one of the first people that I met. Uh, yeah. And we kind of talk about that story and, uh, how, how we met and, uh, yeah, it's fun. So it was really great getting to talk to Charles again. It had been a really long time since we'd had a conversation. I think we haven't like talked to each other since high school, but we followed each other on social media for, Gosh, I would say probably a decade or so uh, in one way or another. Um, so, yeah, it was just great to, to get this chance to, to chat with Charles. And uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So go ahead and kick back, relax, actually get back up, go, go to the kitchen, pop your popcorn, grab your soda pop. Now go kick back, relax, and let's talk about J. F. K. All right, everyone, it is time for an all new episode of Let's Talk About. And the stroll down memory lane continues. Uh, I, you know, I'm going I'm to talk about this for a second because for me, like kind of being confined and, and uh, quarantined and stuck to my own devices, I have really had a great time being able to like reach out to people and, and, and talk with all kinds of people online. And one of the things that has given me the most amount of joy throughout all of this is being able to reach out to friends from this like chapter of my life that I, I have a hard time remembering because my brain, my brain is getting old, but this today's episode this is very special to me. So, you know, my, my life up until a point was spent in, in Omaha, Nebraska, Kansas City, Missouri, and then I moved to Louisville, Texas. And the impact that my move to Louisville had is one that was very, very special for me. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy to kind of look back on how important that time of my life was but knowing that it wasn't very long in the, in the grand scheme of things. But one of the first people that I met my first day at school in eighth grade in Louisville, Texas, is joining me here today. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Charles Holman. Charles, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Andy? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Long time listener, first time guest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. I, oh, 
it's so cool. It's so cool to hear you. And it's been super cool. Like, you know, a lot of people talk, you know, about how social media is just kind of a, a pox on humanity and, and kind of like <laughs> the worst thing to happen. But I think for me, there are so many really great things that kind of come out of it. And one of them is that we reconnected after a long, long stretch of time. So man, it's just, it's awesome to be able to get to chat with you again. And awesome just to kind of know that you're out there over social media. So I'll just ask, how, how is everything? How, how have you been the last 20 something years? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Last, last 20 something years have been good to me, man. And I echo uh, what you said about social media. It's kind of what you make of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can use it to reconnect with friends. You can use it to stay in touch, post updates or whatever, but yeah, you can definitely use it for good things too. Like uh, there's a lot of data mining and stuff, but when old friends connect, I think that's a positive. It makes it, it, you know, it makes it feel very, very special. Cause it's like, you know, you have those friends that you see every day, people that you know from work or whatever, but like to really be able to reconnect with the people that were like there kind of during your formative years. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and, you know, getting to, to be able to talk with you here, like this is just super cool for me. So we're going to get into it and see where this conversation goes. And then we'll eventually as is the case with this podcast, after we're done talking about all of the exciting stuff, then we'll spend a little bit of time talking about a movie. So, <laughs> right, right. So yeah. we'll start off with the usual question, Charles. For people out there in the world who don't know you, who are you? Where did you come from? What is your origin story? Okay. Uh, my origin story starts in Hyattsville, Maryland. That's where I'm originally from. Uh, I know you did some moving around before you got to Louisville, but I also did some moving around. First started off in Heightsville, Maryland. Um, my parents broke up. I moved down to Alabama. Uh, Abbeville, Alabama is the name of the town. And uh, my mother was in the Army, so we kept moving. From there, we went to San Antonio, Texas, stationed at Fort Sam Houston, then went to Louisville. That's when I moved there, right after sixth grade. I started at Delay middle school in the seventh grade. Um, and then I had the pleasure of meeting you. <laughs> it was uh, okay. So <laughs> I, I, we're, before we before we jump off, because we're going to have quite the jumping off point here, because right. that's that's where our stories like intertwine is in eighth right. grade. I moved to Louisville from Kansas City, Missouri, and my first day at school you know, I I lived close enough where I had to walk. So I walked to school. My first day of school, there was like a torrential downpour. Like it was just pouring, pouring. And so I walked to the school, go in the building. I'm brand new. All of these people are staring at me. Like just, uh, you know, not only am I tall and, Mm -hmm. and big, but like, I, I, I'm not from Texas. I have no idea. Like, (laughs) what people in texas are like so i am just so out of place and i am soaked and like the first thing they had me do was go to the gym so i could change into dry clothes so i i'm i've changed into these clothes i don't know what i'm wearing and then my first class was in the computer lab and i walk into the class and like pretty much as soon as i walk through the door everybody's eyes just (laughs) (laughs) 
and it was it was like oh god (laughs) what (laughs) what have i done but but luckily like you know from from my story after that point like you were there and and billy kinzel was in that class who's someone who who grew up to be you know a a really good friend of mine through high school uh Mm -hmm. keith ziegler was there who was somebody that i was really close with through high school so it was like all of these people there that you know the the first few steps there it was like this was this was kind of the the foundation of my friendships and we we hit it off pretty quickly too and i think you were (laughs) i feel like at first you were upset because i was taller than you (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh you got a good memory Andy. (laughs) Uh, but then but like i i I just i tried to reassure you i'm like i'm not i'm not good at anything don't 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 worry i i I can barely move i can barely exist so we're, we're gonna be fine but it was also like you know you had this like great sense of humor and i feel like that's where we really kind of hit it off was like we would just crack each other up in class and that was oh yeah like that was awesome and we just kind of went from there and then i'll let you i'll let you take back the story from that point because oh you you, you disappeared on me oh <laughs> uh, okay the disappearance uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that that also had to do uh, with my mother being in the military. So she actually got stationed in uh, Camp Zama, which is in Japan. Oh, wow. And uh, at that point, when she went overseas, I moved back to Maryland uh, with my father's family. So uh, that's where I finished high school. Um, that's where I went to one year. I played one year of junior college basketball, and then I, I transferred to the University of Maryland. And shout out to the Terps who are playing in the NCAA tournament right now, by the way. Nice. But um, yeah, I, I transferred to Maryland. Um, actually thought I was going to walk on, but little little did I know they had the best basketball team in the country. They, they won the, the uh, NCAA tournament in 2002. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's basically the toughest place to walk on. And um, I actually did have one coach there, Jimmy Patsos, who was kind of giving me a look. He gave me a call back, wanted me to work out with the team or whatever, but it didn't work out. Um, So, yeah, after that, I graduated from Maryland in 04, uh, started working uh, as a communications specialist in the D.C. area and um, stayed there until... 2016 and when I moved to Atlanta and I've been here since then and uh, I'm definitely liking it you know no more shoveling snow no more (laughs) (laughs) uh, sub sub freezing uh, temp highs in the winter Um, yeah yeah I'm, I'm definitely liking it what is that like like <laughs> i i made the wrong choice like after texas i went to south dakota which is uh that, that that's a mistake because it, it's freezing cold like freezing cold lots of snow like right now you know we're, we're hanging out in about the the 40s and 50s which for me that's that's shorts weather like this is this is gorgeous <laughs> for me compared to the rest of it but you know just to be in a nice place where the temperature is always Oh, oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, go ahead. South Dakota, I've never been, and I've got to go sometime just to say I went. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it is, uh, <laughs> like, okay, so I, I feel bad anytime I say there's nothing to do here because, I mean, 
in the grand scheme of things, you're going to find something to do everywhere. And if you head uh, west in, in South Dakota, on the western side of South Dakota, there are all kinds of like touristy things to do. Wall drug, Mount Rushmore, like they have a, a lizard garden, like all kinds of just crazy things to do. But on this side of the town or, or this side of the state, it's, you know, I think it's comparable to like uh, an average size city where there's not like a ton of touristy things to do but mm -hmm. there's there's it, they're starting to grow like some kind of culture theater you know uh, a film community a lot of bars like like all of that kind of you know just it's it's growing it's it's a yeah. city that's that's constantly growing and i feel like it's um a very nice place to settle down but i think compared to like a lot of larger cities if someone from a larger city comes here they're going to be like what <laughs> there's, there's there's nothing there's nothing going on but right. you know for for the people here like it's it's nice and it's uh like i said starting to grow and starting to get better so um one of the things i i, I think i kind of want to talk about just a little bit uh is just the whole idea of moving around because oh, that's yeah. one thing that, that you and I just really share in common for, for a long part of my life before middle school, like I was moving all the time. Like, I think I would go to one school for one year, then move to another school for the next. Then I'd be there for two years and move to another school. And it was like, I felt like I was constantly in a state of flux. Is mm -hmm. that kind of how it was for you too? Just this, this constant cycle of like, oh, I'm the new kid at school. I got to yes. start here. Don't get too comfortable. I'm going to go somewhere else. Absolutely. Like it was pretty traumatic, honestly, for kids to be moving around like adults. You're kind of like you have your uh, circle of friends that you kind of stay in contact with. But um, with kids, especially back then, before the Internet, yeah. Yeah. once you move, you were never going to see those people again. Right. And uh, yeah, I've had dozens of friends I never saw again. And uh, that's one thing I'm, I'm really glad social media, you know, helps people connect. But yeah, I definitely felt that. And when you're a new kid, like some people can slip through the cracks or whatever. But if you're coming in there in the eighth grade at, you know, six, whatever, you're, you're, you're not sleeping. You're not sipping through the cracks. You are all eyes on you. Every teacher, every student, it's like the, the needle picks up off, off of the record yep. when <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I, yeah I just I just remember like just oh, so many looks so many <laughs> looks like I can remember some of the kids uh, who who I ended up over the course of like five years of going to school there there were several kids that my disdain for started at delay and and that never that never ended <laughs> but it was yeah. like when I walked through the door like they just you know saw me made eyes at me and it was like my existence was like i don't know i don't i don't know if it was this this kind of like me coming in being the size that i was was like some kind of a challenge to them like you know beating on the chest like this is my place now and like i almost wanted to be like if you know me i, I don't care <laughs> like, all, all i want to do is just go to school do what i'm supposed to do have fun with my friends and yeah. not not invade your turf at all like that's right. that's not who i am and right. uh yeah it was uh eighth, eighth grade overall when i look about it back at it there were some parts that were really really challenging but mm -hmm. i i always feel like 
that I was still pretty lucky because because of the friends that I was able to make. Like I will, this is this this is where I think we'll go from here, Charles. Is we spent like eighth grade, I think it was earth science, maybe, and and like a some it was a, it was a science class. There was like an alternating schedule, I think. And yeah. I particularly remember the science class because we would sit there, and I. <laughs> Being this size, my interest in sports has always been a little bit lower than most people's, but I would always watch Sports Center because I was like, oh, I got to have something to talk about today. I have to have <laughs> something to talk about today. And we would mention these people that I would be like, oh, I have to pay attention to see what Kurt Rambus did today. I, I got I to gotta find out what kind of game Brad Lowhouse had today, you know? Hell it was, yeah. <laughs> it was stuff that, like that. And we would hilarious. joke all class. We would joke yeah, all yeah. class about I, it. I definitely remember watching SportsCenter before school just to have jokes for the rest of the day. <laughs> and the good thing about SportsCenter at that time, that was mm-hmm. probably the what? early 90s 92 93 somewhere around there yeah yeah it was like mid yeah early mid 90s that that's when the the funniest most talented guys were there uh especially my number one guy Stuart scott shout out yeah. to Stuart scott r.i.p yeah uh he was just hilarious he brought so much vernacular and terminology to sports and highlights like that booyah that was his whole thing and he got that from um from uh, Cypress Hill in one yeah. of their songs. Um, he just had so many, Mookie, like he used to have <laughs> uh, Spike Lee references. He would have so many pop culture references and it was just, it made it so much fun. Yeah. Even the sports that I wasn't into, it, like I didn't care about baseball back then. I, I right. never really cared about hockey, but like Sports Center made it fun. Like the cast, Dan Patrick was funny. Um, who else did they have? They had a, a, just a funny crew back then that yeah. made it so much more entertaining. And especially for us young kids, like watching the show, it that kind of made the, my day, or at least it would set the agenda of like what to talk about when I was in class with you and Keith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's that was it. Like that was what we would we would just make fun of. Like I don't know, I, I know, I know that that Kurt Rambus would eat my lunch in a game of, of <laughs> basketball. But there was something about just knowing that he existed. And right, you know, when you're a kid, you see the glasses, you see the mustache, you see the hair, and you're just like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna clown on him because that's funny. And that's yeah. what we did all. <laughs> class but yeah, it was... because it, the thing about the sports center guys like they didn't just show highlights they would also clown people mm-hmm. like kurt rambis and brad lowhouse definitely got theirs because you know <laughs> they, they weren't as good as everybody else right uh, there's there's highlights uh other friends have even told me that they remember from middle school like there was a game when i'm pretty sure it was brad lowhouse who was who was checking uh kim elijah one and dan patrick says I sense a mismatch. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure Elijah Wong probably went for 40 or something like that, but it's it's just they made it fun to make fun of guys who got you know wasted on the court and just got trashed by their opponent. It's like wow, you know, there's there's so many jokes you can tell during the course of a game. And and the 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 sports center team, like we would steal those comments. We would we would borrow. Yes. We'll we'll say borrow. We would borrow <laughs> those comments from them because the thing that was super cool at delay 
was that we'd go, we'd have lunch, and then after lunch, we'd all go to the gym, and you know, people would sit, hang out, and talk. But also, they they'd let people play basketball as well. And yes. I, I I played a little bit. I mean, I don't know if I would call what I did playing. It was mostly just standing there and being like, don't look like an idiot. Don't look like an idiot. Just if you get the ball, throw it to somebody else really fast. Like I wanted to be athletic. I really did. But I think, I think there was something missing (laughs) when I was, when I was made, but it was fun because I always enjoyed watching. Like anytime I would lose, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to go sit down now and I'll watch. And so it would be like, you know, we'd sit there and if, if you weren't playing, we would comment on everybody do like play by play on whoever was playing. And and we would use that. Oh, this is a mismatch. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You're bringing back memories, man. I definitely do remember that now that you say it. Um, Yeah. Cause I remember at lunchtime, um, me and Kevin Dodge and Mm -hmm. Eddie, uh, what was it? Uh, Eddie Cortez. Eddie Cortez. Yep. Yeah, Luis Cuevas. We had a team. It was called Team Domination. That's right. That's right. Oh. We, we always used to play together, and we won, like, every single game. There was only – I only remember us losing once. Yeah. But um, it, it was it was a bunch of guys who just liked basketball. They watched SportsCenter, too. Like, we, we could make the same jokes with them. Yep. But Team Domination, um, I, I still uh, – I'm in touch with Lewis on um, Facebook, and, and I just uh, I just made a comment the other day about team domination because his son is playing basketball now. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it, it it was definitely a lot of good memories back at Delay right after lunch playing ball. It was it was so cool because it was like you know it was you guys, and then you had you had a rotation. Like if if somebody yeah. was sick or something, it'd yes. be like, well, get get Jabri. Jabri's gonna come in, and Jabri will play today. <laughs> get 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 Brad Reddick in. He'll play today. You know, yeah. get get Clint Kirby in. He'll play today. It was like you just trying to you know you found these people who it's like okay, well we're gonna have them them stand in today, and it was just it was the, like the I was. The funniest thing is, like, it was only three on three that we used to play, but there was four of us, and we yep. did have a, a man who was like a sub, and and if he wasn't there, yeah, we would bring in other other people, and I'm pretty sure Jabri was one of those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It <laughs> Shout was, out to it Jabri was, Houston. <laughs> it was so much fun to watch, and it was like you know, and 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 the thing about it was, is that you guys you guys were, you guys were team domination because there would be people who were uh, widely recognized throughout the school as the premier athletes. Uh, because let's, let's, let's take a little sidebar here for a second. If you're not from the Texas area, everything you've heard about Texas athletics is absolutely true. Like, the athleticism, the, 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 the physical education part of, ed- of school is super high up on the list. The, the schooling and stuff, you know, that exists too. But they, they will celebrate their sports uh, forever. And yeah, 100%. so 100%. Right. And if, if anybody who is questioning that or doubting that, just think, um, I played basketball as a freshman in high school. Basketball was a class that took up like yeah. a quarter of your day. Yes, it did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's like it's like you uh, like academics and stuff. Yeah, that's all cool. But you're going to get a grade for playing sports. Yep. Yeah, I played I played football my freshman year of high school because I I was supposed to like <laughs> this this big I'm supposed to do that and it was not 
it was not for me, but it took up, you know, took up the very last class of the day. Then it mm-hmm. goes into the evening for practice. And right. then, you know, on the, the like Fridays during that first quarter of the, or, you know, first semester, the days were shorter because we would have a pep rally at oh, the yeah. end of the day, celebrating the football team. It's yeah, like that, this, this is like, I, I actually love those pep rallies. Like farmer pride is a, is a real thing. Yeah. Cause when I transferred and I moved up to Maryland, I went to a Gwen Park High School and, you know, shout out to everybody at Gwen Park, but the, there was the school spirit just wasn't there. Like yeah. school was just a place where people were just kind of doping around. Nobody was enthusiastic, but like the school spirit in Louisville, it, it kind of bubbled over at those uh, pep rallies. And yeah. I remember thinking those were just really cool. Like people wanted to be there. It was exciting. People would like follow the band as they were like drumming after the pep rally. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a big event. It was a big to do. And it's not like that everywhere. Right. They, they did. They went all out like everything. It was, it was a show because it did. It started like the drum line went from the band room all around the first floor of the school, then back to the gym. Like they, they, they played for like, I don't know, it was like a 10 minute, 15 minute lead in for them to get to the gym. And then the pep rally started. It was just, you know, looking back on it, I think at that time, you know, I was angsty teenage Andy and I was like, Oh, why do we do this? But, at the, but looking back and I'm like, this was, this was really cool that, yeah we had this experience. And I think, you know, because I was partially in with football at that time, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, wow. They're, they're kind of celebrating us too, guys. Yeah. But no, <laughs> nobody, I was a freshman. Nobody cared. <laughs> uh, but, but, but yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. One thing uh, you, you were saying about when you first got to delay all the eyes on you, I know it's got to feel weird, but I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, not all of those eyes were looks of like um, yeah. hostility. A yeah. lot of them were jealousy. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that I, you know, kids don't catch, catch on to this. And my father tried to explain it to me. But um, a lot of times, man, you're just drawing attention. And, you know, with you being uh, bigger than average or you stand out in a crowd, no matter yeah. what it is there's girls that like that. Like there's there's yeah. girls who are into you just for that sole reason. He's not like everybody else. Right. So right. yeah, if I, if I'd have known then what I knew now, man. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's it just like being, being awkward at that time. Like mm-hmm. I just, I, I lacked the confidence that I eventually, you know, eventually completely just developed probably too much <laughs> but, but like what what I the 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 point eventually or here was uh or kind of, kind of going back a little bit was and I guess we can kind of build off of that jealousy thing too is because mm-hmm. you guys were so good and worked so well together there were people that were like the premier athletes uh, recognized as the premier athletes of the school uh mm-hmm. that <laughs> you beat and they were pissed they were pissed off every day and you would just see the look on their face about how mad they were and it was just like you know some of them would throw a little hissy fit and then leave with their girlfriend and go outside but it was just like 
you know, not, not, not naming any names, not that any of them will ever listen to anything I have to do, but <laughs> like, I, I never, I never struck up a friendship with some of those people. Yeah. So. <laughs> Andy, I vividly know, and I, I, I know exactly who you're talking about and I can picture those moments in my mind. And honestly, I always play for that. Yes. That, yes. that idea of being slept on and having someone <laughs> underestimate you and then you know, them losing and being kind of humbled. I love putting people in that little humble space, like where they have to just concentrate on the fact they lost to somebody they thought was sucked or whatever. Yeah. But and, yeah I've, oh, go it's, ahead. It's, it's always, um, it's always been like a, a kick for me to, to kind of not have somebody know who I am or that I can play or whatever and then beat them. Yeah, like I, I just yeah. I get a kick out of that, and even even uh, playing at the gym at Maryland, just pickup ball, like when you can <clears throat> when you can beat somebody who's on the team, and this is like one of the best teams in the country. That was always pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I can just I I can only imagine because being there every day at that time, how anybody would underestimate you just <laughs> was always ridiculous to me. I was just like. Charles Charles is gonna fucking win. Like, <laughs> like this this is what they do. They come out here and they win. And it's like, well, who are they gonna play against today? And then you'd see yeah. who'd take the floor and you'd be like, oh, that's that's sad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got a great memory, Andy. But, but, but before we before we get on for middle school basketball, I gotta say, I've I've been playing basketball up until the junior college level. Sure. And I've played tons of pickup games. I've played against good competition, played against guys who went on to the pros. I've had, you know, teammates who led their division in scoring and rebounding and things. But the most scared I have ever been in my life was in a middle school basketball game when we played against John Havens. This, this guy was in middle school in the eighth grade and dunked. Yeah, he had a dunk in a basketball game in the eighth grade, and I didn't know what to do. I thought the game was over. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want us to keep playing after this? <laughs> I, I was literally scared. I, I've, I've never felt that since. And I just it, it was kind of demoralizing, humiliating. This guy's the same age as us and he can dunk. And, you know, yeah. and it, the everybody else on my team, most we can do is probably touch the rim barely. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's dunking that that was that was uh scary and it was just a, a pretty amazing accomplishment for any middle schooler and he went on to you know play college ball and he you know killed in high school and shout out to john havens wherever you are man yeah yeah but and i remember i think you know i think when you're that age you don't really let on to other people that that kind of that you know that, that you're you're afraid or or not even a, not even so much afraid just kind of like ah this guy beat me. Like, I, I, how do I, how do I handle this? How do I come back from that? And right. one thing that I remember that I don't know if it was caused by that, or if it was just you wanting to be better is that you would have coach Harrison, like help you dunk, like at, during oh, some, yeah. at, you, you, you'd set time aside at the end of, of lunch and be like, can I, can I just try and dunk? And he would be there to help you through dunking. And it was like, it was like, come on, you can do it. And there were I remember that there were people there that would give you shit for it and it's right. like oh he didn't do it there he didn't do it there and it's like yeah but at least he's trying like at least he's he's getting up there I would love to see you try <laughs> to, right. to, to get anywhere near as much air as he's getting so yeah 
it's it's crazy to have all of these memories just kind of like come right back because I felt like I forgot so much of this time but it's like that was such a uh, those those years for me from from eighth grade through high school you know you go through the angsty stuff you go through all Mm -hmm. the times where you're kind of like oh I was so sad you know I didn't really know I was dealing with what it was like to be a teenager but there were parts there that were like man that was fun like it was just so carefree and everything was was easier so and 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 coach harrison too like uh that that was uh, definitely a good memory that you just brought back just because um in in middle school like most middle school kids can't even touch the rim and just like trying to dunk um it it it's gonna take effort and you can't you know focus on haters or detractors or whatever just uh you got to keep putting in work because eventually I got to be able to dunk any kind of way I wanted. You know, I was yeah. doing windmills. I was dunking backwards and games. I can, you know, I, I was doing, you know, dunks that would win some dunk contests. Yeah. I, I wasn't like a, like a Vince Carter type dude, but I could definitely get up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but you got to but you got to put in the work early. Like right. the, the, the younger you are, the younger you get started, you know, the, the more it'll pay off, you know, when you're a little bit older it was just, it was such a, it was so much fun watching you. Like it was, it was just a blast. And, and now we're, we'll move to the part where I was like, you know, we got to, got to Louisville, got to high school. And yeah. like, I would see you in the hall all the time. Like you always walk by each other. Hey, hey. And then, you know, <laughs> we'd keep, we'd go on about our business because we didn't happen to have any classes. Uh, right. And I know that, that, you know, you were on a basketball schedule. I was on a football schedule. Uh, until the end of the first semester when I was like, uh, nope, never, never <laughs> not doing that again. Uh, but we would I, we would see each other in the hallways. And then I, I, I think, you know, my memory might be off here, is I think I saw you through freshman year and yeah. then came back sophomore year and that's when you were gone? Or did you leave part of the way through freshman year? Yeah, it was at, right after freshman year. Um that's when my mother was <clears throat> stationed over in Japan. That's when I moved up to Maryland. Um, that summer, it was like my last day of school. And then there was a few days. I, I don't even know that there was a few days. I remember yeah. right after school ended, I went to a basketball camp at University of Alabama. Ironically enough, yeah. because Alabama is actually playing Maryland right now. Oh, wow. But um, yeah, it, it was... Uh, Cause my mother's family's from Alabama and I always okay. thought that school was pretty cool. Like you want to talk about a sports state, Alabama, it's, it's on another level just because there's no professional sports there and their Auburn and Alabama are like probably more important to that state than most professional teams are to their respective States or whatever. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a big deal out there. And uh, right after that basketball camp, um my father picked me up and took me to Maryland and that's where I stayed for quite a while man so what's you know what's it like at this point because I know you had moved around a lot before but now I mean now you're in high school now it's like everyone's hormones are just like bah, 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 <laughs> you know and people are dealing with angst and you're you know again stranger in a strange land even though you've been right. in Maryland before 
right what's what's it like in high school like moving after you've already started the high school like is, is is it just kind of old hat since you moved so much before or was it still like you know maybe even more difficult this time no it was more difficult that was the biggest one that was because that was a culture shock yeah like in texas i kind of got used to it um because i had moved from san antonio to dallas uh or louisville and um it was Louisville is like a small town, even though it's a suburb of Dallas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was more um, how to say, well, I can just say this. The people in D.C. are so much more hostile than the people in Texas. <laughs> yeah. It was it was mind blowing. I mean, it was fucking like. All right. So here's a good example. When when uh, people or teammates would get into a fight or a scuffle on the court uh, in, in Dallas or in Louisville, players would run out to break it up. Yeah. Like team teammates would grab them to stop them. The, the very, when I was in the 10th grade, actually before I started um, the basketball season, we had a scrimmage and two players got into a fight and I was on the bench and I saw everybody get up. I was like, Oh, okay. We're going to go break this up. <laughs> Hell no. They were joining in, throwing chairs, haymakers, you know, players were getting stomped out. And I'm like, what? I I, I came out here to drag somebody off, not to join in. But uh, yeah, the D.C. area is definitely a different breed. I think just people in the D.C. area like have their defenses up and um, it just wasn't the kind of Southern hospitality, I can say that. Right, They're, right. Southern hospitality is a real thing, and they do not do that in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it is more of a culture thing, too, because there is such a thing as, like, a D.C. culture. Sure. Um, I, I, I grew to love it over time, but, like, go-go music is, number one, a big thing out there. Yeah. Um, so go-go music was way more popular than any other genre, even hip-hop. Um, it was the way people dressed. Everybody had to wear practically the same things. Like oh. it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a uniform, but when I went to school, I would say on my first week of school, 75% of the guys were wearing DDTP shirts. Now, nobody outside of the DC area knows what a DDTP shirt is, <laughs> but it's it's a it's a t-shirt brand from DC, and uh, it was very popular. So much so that it, there were people who wouldn't wear anything else other than DDTP. Wow. Uh, so they had their own music, their own way of dress, style, uh, the way of speaking. The lingos is different in DC. Uh, if you didn't get it, you were a Bama. Like, Bama is a person who's not cool. Uh, they, they have their own little phrases, like getting joned on. That's like when people make fun of you. Getting carried. That's when people, like, try to embarrass you. Uh, it's, 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 somebody should make a, a book or a movie about, like, just the DC lingo. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a culture shock. And it was like being in a different world. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I remember kind of like when I first moved to Texas, my big thing that everybody would 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 mock me for was because I would still say pop. It was like, I'm gonna oh, yeah. a, I was going to have a pop. And, <laughs> and I think you 
were probably one of the the, the people to make fun of me the most for it. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely remember that, Andy. Like, oh my gosh, that that brought, I, you know, I don't mean to bully anybody or whatever, but <laughs> there's just some good jokes there, man. Like, it's true. You're, you're, <laughs> you're a friend and you're a, a good, uh, just a, a good guy to be around, but that was, that was fun oh, at your for, uh, for saying pop. Every day. I got it every day. So I'll ask you then. So what do they what do they call it in Maryland? <laughs> oh, soda, soda, definitely soda. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, they, like, they say soda there, and I've I've heard pop since then, and I guess sure. it's it's a very regional thing. Yeah. But to me, it kind of sounds like a drug. Like, <laughs> hey, let's go get some pop. <laughs> but, but no, yeah. like half the country says that though. Like you would yeah. just happen to be in Louisville where nobody said it and right. and there was no internet or like <laughs> a place where you could see other people say this too it's not like he's from Mars it's, nope it was it was like I was some freak show just just coming in there talking about drinking my pop and y'all were like like what's a pop <laughs> you have a pop and I was like come on <laughs> come on now <laughs> oh yeah yeah, oh. yeah that was part of the the culture shock for you yeah yeah well, so, you know, at, at what point there, so you, you know, that's, that's, you went through high school there right. and then you went from Maryland to, no, you went, did you, you went to Maryland for, for college too, right? Right, right. I, I played one year of junior college basketball. I was at um, Charles County Community College. It's now the College of Southern Maryland. Okay. Um, I played for one year there and that's when I transferred to University of Maryland College Park and um <clears throat> tons of good memories there um friends i still talk to on a daily basis um guys i've traveled you know left the country gone overseas with um i, I really enjoyed my time at maryland good. um yeah maryland was pretty cool yeah i i, I want to know because it's like you know our our story has that that kind of stopping point like like where we we knew each other and then just because at that point, you know, when you're when you're in ninth grade in 1996, 1997, you know, uh, there's no internet, there's no, I mean, you can email, but it's like, it's so much easier to just talk to the people that are there in your space. And there was instant messenger, but we never had that moment to exchange that because it was like, it was like, poof, then you're gone. Yeah, so, that, and that was instant messenger was after or at least uh, I didn't find out about that until like my senior year in high school. Yeah. I was in high school, but I didn't have an AOL uh, or AIM in, in the ninth grade. Right. And that's one that brings me, that reminds me of like you being so knowledgeable about computers. Like I thought I knew stuff about computers because my father was really into them and he got me one, you know, at a young age or whatever. But you took it to another level. Like you, I remember in middle school when you were scanning documents and images, <laughs> and I was like, "What the hell? He has his own scanner?" <laughs> right. Oh, okay. That reminded me of the Oscar newsletter. That was the year that that Forrest Gump 
and Pulp oh. Fiction and Quiz Show and, and Four Weddings and a Funeral, uh, Shawshank Redemption were all nominated for Best Picture. So what did I do? Since this was something that I cared about and surely everybody else also cared about, <laughs> I made a newsletter. I made this newspaper right. of all talking about the Oscars. And like I did, I scanned the pictures in. It was like a handheld scanner that we had. And I was able to put it together in print shop. And like, you know, I would just show pe- this to people like, look, this is what I made about the Oscars. <laughs> that that um, was phenomenal, man. I, I wish I had one of those. <laughs> but but, but that, for, for anybody in your audience who doesn't know you, Andy, Andy is one of the sw- sweetest guys in the universe. Oh, and man. that year when Pulp Fiction came out, no, it, not, not Pulp Fiction, when uh, yeah. Forrest Gump came out. It had a phenomenal soundtrack. And I might have yeah. said something about I like listening to oldies or something. But like the day after you got it, or maybe the week, you came to school with a tape of the entire soundtrack and gave it to me. Didn't charge me anything because you know tapes were pretty expensive back then. Like yeah. that was that was not just uh something you just pick up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you you gave me the soundtrack, and I was uh, I remember thinking like, what do I owe you? Like, how much? How much? And you were like, no, it's yours. This is this is for you. And I was like, wow. Like, I actually had that tape up until college, wow. even though you know uh, nobody was listening to tapes anymore. I probably didn't even have a tape player. Sure. But I, I just remember it had sentimental value because oh. Andy Heller gave me that tape, and uh, that was just one of the coolest, nicest things anybody's done. Uh, wow like that's (laughs) that's one of those things that it's like you know we've talked about here a lot of the conversation that we've had of just like opening up the floodgates to all these memories and stuff and I you know I remember being I always remember being super obsessed with Forrest, Forrest Gump during that time frame like just super obsessed with it and I remember just wanting to talk to everybody about Forrest Gump and I would wear my Forrest Gump shirt and be like yeah Forrest Gump Forrest Gump but yeah I got the soundtrack and I like I think we did. I think it was just a conversation. We were like, uh, you know, I like this kind of music too. And I was like, oh well, okay, cool. And then yeah, I would just uh, you know, at that point you had to play the whole CD. Not oh, that right. I wasn't yeah, not that I was wasn't listening to it anyway, but play the whole CD and then record it just right off of the CD player. So that's what I did. I played it, recorded it, you know, was able to, to get them both on the like because it was like a two CD set and yeah. like play it. Yeah. And then I was just like, yeah. And then I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. That was one of the things that I would just do. I'd be like, yeah, here you go. You can have this. We, we <laughs> would buy, cause we would buy the blank cassettes in bulk, like from Sam's club, because mm-hmm. my dad and my mom both like having like mixtapes in their car of all the stuff that they like to listen to. Right. And I, I don't know that I was always supposed to take the tapes, <laughs> <laughs> but I would. And yeah, I was just like, well, yeah, I'll make a copy of it. No, no big deal. So that's, that's what I would do. And it was just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, for me, I didn't even think anything of it. I was like, yeah, of course you can have this. It's great. Listen to it. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I, I still remember some of those songs, man. Um, let me see. I know Sloop John B was one of them. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, that there was, oh yeah. Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet yep. Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was just actually a really great soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, just so much, so much cool music on there, like from the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, like it was just the whole, you know, yeah. over the course of time that the movie spans, it was cool to have all the different music on there. Oh, that was fun. What's your son? 
Armor Fortress. Yeah. 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 Uh good good soundtrack. What a good yeah. soundtrack. <laughs> but so um so then okay, so you, you played ball at Maryland and then from there, like after you graduated, so what's okay, let's let's kind of dig into this just a little bit because like you know, I knew how important basketball was to you. And I, I just, you know, and I, I don't want to go like down some kind of deep rabbit hole here, but if you want to, cause like, I know that you, it was something that you wanted to do. And like, you go to Maryland where they're this, this like top team. Was there ever any kind of like, I don't know, disappointment that you had that was like, Oh, I want to be on that team. But it was just like, you know, it, the, 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 the difficulty scale was kind of tipped so high that it was like you know at least you got to be there at least you got to suit up with them you know at least you got to, yeah. to, to train with them like was there ever that feeling of disappointment or was it more like well at least I get to be here like I'm, I'm here when this team is here yeah I, I think it was a lot of kind of the timing of it like I just so happened to be there when they had four NBA players <laughs> And uh, it was just, it was just like worst timing in the universe, but sure. um, it, it was good timing though for watching basketball. I mean, if as just a student, I saw some of the best basketball in the country, if not yeah. the best basketball. And um, I, I love that aspect of it. Um, when the, well, as far as regret though, when the, I actually did get the one workout uh, Jimmy Patsos. So at that time, uh, Gary Williams was the head coach and Jimmy Patsos was his assistant. And Jimmy Patsos kind of wanted me on the team. He called me and uh, gave me the invite, told me when the workout was. <clears throat> and they took uh, three players. Um, it was it was me, Darian Henry and Marcus, Mark, Mark Alexander, uh, who I was actually roommates with, a really good friend of mine to this day. Um, and they gave us a workout. We did, you know, show what we could do. And um, the important question was, what are your grades like? Yeah. Now, my grades were decent, um, right. nothing special, but uh, a, a, a few, maybe a year later or two years later, I saw on ESPN uh, that Maryland had one of the lowest graduation rates in um, like college basketball. And the, the thing about that question about what are your grades like is they ended up taking the guy with the best grades. Sure. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Darian Henry. Uh, you know, he actually walked onto the team. And if you can walk onto the University of Maryland Terrapins when they are the number one seed in the tournament and they actually win the ACC tournament and they win the national championship, you're doing a hell of a job. Like you're doing something that, you know, everybody every walk on in the country wishes that they could do right and, uh, shout out to him but yeah if the regret would be not being more serious about my academics sure. and for like if there's any young kids out there who are questioning like um the importance of studying and sports like if you want to do sports you have to study you definitely have to take care of your grades yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's uh you know not to not not to criticize Texas uh, here, but I, I think one of the things that that was kind of um, tough to learn when when I was there is that I was I was a very good student uh, and, and you know wanted to 
try to be an athlete, even though I, I think I knew that it wasn't, <laughs> I think I knew it wasn't for me. I just felt like I needed to give it a try because this was the, the body that I was born in. Um, but it, it was, there was a lot of like, okay, well, Heller, you try and teach, you know, try and teach this kid how to do this try and tutor this kid. Like mm-hmm. you, you spend the study hall teaching these kids how to do stuff. And it was, you know, they, they tried to encourage this then, but a lot of times too, it felt like if, if you were good enough, they would find a way to kind of let you slip through the cracks. And unfortunately, well, not, not slip through the cracks, but just kind of move on without really yeah. having to, to worry about, you know, having to deal with those grades. The right. sad thing about that is once you get to college, like, you know, you, you have to play that catch up. You have to be able to focus on both because it, it becomes important and, and you've yeah. got to, you've got to think about your future. So right. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough kind of juggling act. And I think that's the thing that's so difficult about it is because when you're a student athlete, you really do have to think about not only the sport that you're playing, but you do have to think about your grades, your social life, your, you know, if you're, if you've got a job, like you are focusing on a ton of stuff when you are also like learning what it's like to be an adult. And man, it's, it's, I, I, I have the utmost respect for people that go through that and, and are, you know, still able to come out kind of well-adjusted and, you know, uh, have that, 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 that focus where they're able to do stuff like that. So when, when you're kind of uh, collegiate basketball career kind of didn't take off, what, what area of focus did you, did you lean into? Like, was there a a career path? I think you said something about communications. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Communications was my major. And, um, after uh, graduating from Maryland, um, I was looking for a job and one of the um, temp, I, I got on with a temp agency and um, found, got my, my foot in the door and um, maybe within a year, I got a, a permanent gig. It was a contract as a, um, a writer for a newsletter. I was a writer slash web technician nice. and um, yeah, that, that web, I, I still work uh, as a web developer today and uh, it's, it's kind of where communications is. And if, if you're not communicating online, you're not communicating at all. Yeah. Uh, print is, you know, pretty dead and it's, it's a, it, it is like the way to get your message across to the whole world. And that's what's, cool to me about it is um you know you can post something online and anyone in the world can see it you know the <clears throat> the better uh more searchable it is you know you can you can have something that can be found anywhere um i, I think it's cool I, I got into communications and i'm still in it to this day yeah like it, <laughs> you said earlier about my knowledge of computers and i'm like oh where did that go? Cause it's like, I, I have lost that, but I think, you know, it, it sure sounds like with you doing web developing, I, mm-hmm. I think you've kind of taken over on, <laughs> as far as that's concerned. So no, I um, mean, I think, I think I might know just um, like some, like something I might know about posting stuff online, like how to do it with like the common practices or whatever, but sure. you are like the king of social media. You've got, <laughs> I, I've listened to your, to your, uh, 
your ads for uh, Fat Dude Dig, Digs Flicks. You're on every type of streaming service you can possibly <laughs> imagine. You've got YouTube videos. You've got social media. You've got Instagram. You're on Facebook. You're everywhere. You, I will tell you. I'll tell you the one thing I don't know how to do, though. I have no idea, no idea how to design my own web page. And that's where I'm kind of like, so I gotta. I need to eventually figure out how to do that, and that can be the hub, and everything can kind of branch out from there. So it's like once once I figure out how to do that, I almost feel like I can take over the world. But it'll be <laughs> it'll be a, a minute. <laughs> well, any way I can help you, let me know. Ah, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, uh, let's 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 kind of. I want to dive into something fun here because I want to know kind of where you're at right now. But before I kind of get into that. I want to talk about one of your, one of your hobbies that, that I notice online that I'm like, Oh, I want to talk to him about that. Cause how does he, how does he get to go there? So you've been to carnival. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were on mute for a second there. I couldn't oh, hear you. Oh no. Oh, did my, did my, am I, am I good again? You're good now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Cause I, I, my, I had a little thing that popped up that said my connection is unstable. So let me, okay. let me kind of, let me kind of regroup and we'll do that little bit again, just for, sure. for uh, editing sake here. Um, so one thing I want to talk about is something that you've kind of done for fun. Something that I've kind of noticed on your social media presence that has always been kind of like, I kind of, I want to talk to him about that. What, what, yes. what, what's that like? So you've gone to Carnival. Is that, is that right? Yes. Well, Carnival is what they call it in Brazil. Sure. But Caribbean carnivals. I've gone to a ton of them. Like the first one I went to was in DC. Okay. And um, this is back when DC had a carnival. Uh, they don't have it anymore. It's the it's kind of moved up to Baltimore now. Okay. But my my friend asked me, my friend Daryl <clears throat> Daryl Murdoch. He said <clears throat> he said Charles, you want to go to carnival? I said carnival. You mean like with uh, cotton candy and rides and stuff? <laughs> he's he's like he's like. No, I mean carnival with naked girls dancing down the street. <laughs> I, said, I said, what time do I need to get there? <laughs> so so I go to carnival and I'm thinking, nah, there's no way that there's going to be naked women out here. He, he was exaggerating. He was bullshitting. <laughs> I get there. I see some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. I'm, I'm taking pictures and I'm like on the outside trying to just... It, admire the beauty of the event and just the thousands of people out there enjoying themselves for free this was my favorite event in dc by far was the capital carnival and it was right down georgia avenue and that's right near uh, howard university and i was out there and just you know enjoying the scene and kind of just amazed and I'm, i'm holding my camera i'm standing on the side trying to take photos and this girl who was in the parade comes up and starts dancing with me. I'm like, what? This is what they do here? <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm in shock. So like the first girl who danced with me, I, I was so in shock. I didn't even, I just stood there. And then I saw like people were dancing with the girls. The girls were dancing with them. People from the parade were dancing with the people on the side. And I was like, wow, this is actually what goes on. That wasn't just, you know, like a a weird event. This is the (laughs) party that I'm at. Yeah. So, oh yeah, just dancing, um, you know, listening to soca music, uh, eating Caribbean food. It's, it's just a huge extravaganza everywhere you go. 
So me and Daryl, <clears throat> we continue we continued going to the DC Carnival. Uh, we, we went to the carnival up in Toronto, which is called Carabana. And it that kind of kicked it up to the next level for me. Yeah. Because the DC Carnival, it might get, I don't know, 300,000 would, would probably be the most people that ever attended one of those. But at Carabana, every year on average, it's 1.2 million. Wow. So there's tons of people out there and it's just so much bigger and so much more of an event. It's like, um, like I'm, I'm trying to think what I can compare it to as far as like uh, anything like it, but it's, it's the biggest one in North America. And the one in Toronto is just amazing. And the one in New York is called the West Indian Day Parade. Sure. I've been to that one, Miami Carnival. I went to the one in San Francisco, the Hollywood Carnival. Notting Hill Carnival in London is two days. Whoa. And, and the last time they had that was in 2019. I think they had 2.6 million people out there. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and in London, it's, it's a bigger deal because it's like, um, it's just so old. I think Carnival's like, it's been going on for 50 years or so. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just like part of the culture. And there's so many Caribbean people in London, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, big Jamaican population. Um, soca music is huge out there. And uh, the Notting Hill Carnival is one of the greatest experiences I've ever seen. It's just tons of people out there partying um it, it, they do it on the last bank holiday in august so if you're ever trying to time it that's the last <clears throat> last sunday and monday in august and um notting hill carnival is just uh, tons of fun i went to the carnival in kingston jamaica um i've i've been to tons of carnivals and i always have a blast every time i go oh. I just, I, I see your pictures and I see like, you know, just the little tweets about you getting excited about it. I'm like, man, like Charles knows how to party. Like Charles, <laughs> Charles knows how to have a good time. And the, the cool thing about it for me too, is kind of living vicariously through, you know, you going on these adventures is that you get to travel like all over the place. Like yeah. what is, is London and, and Jamaica, are those probably the most like, I guess, extravagant or, 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 or out there places that you've been, or have you traveled anywhere else? That's just kind of like, yeah, I've been here too. What's up, you know? Um, well, it didn't have anything to do with carnival. I visited sure. my mother when I was in Japan, when she was in Japan. Oh, nice. um, yeah. I visited uh, Camp Zama and I would say the thing about um, when you visit a military base, when you're on the base, it's just like the U S right. When you step off that base, you were on another planet. Yeah. Like it's, it's, there's no diversity in Japan. Uh, if you go, if I go out, I will be the only black person I see and I will sure. be a foot taller than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you go out there, <laughs> you will be two feet taller than everybody else. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really um, an experience I should have probably been better prepared for. Like I didn't, know any Japanese or any, any of the characters, how to read any of the signs. So yeah, um, yeah. if I ever went back, I would definitely do a lot more studying before I went. Yeah. But, I, I can just imagine, like, I, I just, I, I would, I would love 
I would love to be able to go to Japan. Like, I just think that would be so cool. But I think the experience overall of just <laughs> for me as someone who has always been in the States, like I have never, I have never been outside of the United States. Like just the notion of getting to go anywhere is like super exciting to me. So, so getting to kind of see the adventures that you go on, it's just like, wow, what do, what do I have to do <laughs> to, to go there? Uh, I appreciate you looking at my photos, man. Oh, I, yeah. I, um, I have a, a Flickr account that I'm kind of passionate about. I, I had photos on there regularly, and um, I Carnival has gotten me more followers than anything else. <laughs> um, you know, people love the photos of the sexy girls out there. And, of course. <laughs> I mean, people come to see, and they come to be seen. And, yeah. Uh, Carnival is... It, it's people's event that really, you know, if you like the music and you like the experience and you like to just show off, you know, some people, you know, it's the highlight of their year and, you know, they talk about, you know, the, the next carnival is the instant that that one's over. Yeah. Like uh, there's people who do, I've seen uh, friends of mine who've gone to 12 carnivals in a year. So it goes like all around, it wow. goes uh, all around the world there's um carnivals throughout the year um i think the first one is in trinidad well maybe brazil is the first one sure but there that's it, it has to do with the date of easter yeah and it's always right before easter is when they have uh, carnival in brazil if, if i'm not mistaken and um the last carnival of the year that I know of is in October, the Halloween, the last Saturday in October is when they have the Las Vegas carnival. Wow. And I, I, you would expect Vegas to be pretty big, but they've only been doing it for about four or five years now. And sure. it's, it's, it's still growing. It's small, but it's going to be pretty amazing when it finally gets like uh, the notoriety Vegas deserves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I just, I think it's super cool. Uh, so I want to, I want to cover one last topic before we get to the movie, the featured movie at hand. And so that is like, so now where's, where's, where's Charles Holman now? Like on a, on a daily basis, day to day, like, what are you doing? How are you living your life? What are, what are your, your, the things that you're into? Like, what's a, what's a normal week look like for Charles now? Okay. A normal week is basically me teleworking Monday through Friday. Yeah. Um, I go to the gym a lot, so you can catch me at LA Fitness. Uh, definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely try to exercise. Um, I'm not playing basketball barely ever. Um, my knees won't let me. Uh, I've had yeah. two knee surgeries and um at some point you just kind of have to say yeah basketball is fun but i kind of like walking and yep. i want to be able to keep doing that. <laughs> yep um so uh, go to the gym workout um one of the great things about atlanta is the car shows and there's a the, it's the biggest free car show i think in america no, it's the biggest monthly free car show in America. It's called Caffeine and Octane. It's at Perimeter Mall on the first Sunday of every month. So I always try to make those when I'm in town. Um, <clears throat> so I love uh, taking photos out there at Caffeine and Octane. Um, besides that, uh, it used to be me going to a lot of sporting events. But yeah. you know, since, since all of those have kind of been canceled in the last year of COVID, 
Um, haven't been able to do that, but um, one of the great things about Atlanta uh, prior to the pandemic <clears throat> was this app called In We Go. Mm-hmm. You pay $30 a month and you used to be able to go to unlimited events. Wow. And that meant like Falcons games, Hawks games, Braves games, comedy shows, beer festivals, wine festivals. Uh, there was even a mimosa festival a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> nearly every event in Atlanta. And uh, yeah, that that app is kind of uh, died now. Yeah, but, uh, in, in its heyday, that was that was something I used all the time. Oh, yeah, it, it's just like you know, I one of the things that, that uh, by the time you know this episode airs, the the episode of of me and Brad talking will have aired, and I can't remember if it's on the episode or if it was just us chatting like off air. And he talked about how he reconnected with you, and it was he had a friend that went to uh, a Washington baseball game. Oh yeah, he's like he he his friend just took some random picture and it was of your jersey that I think was like it was like a Washington jersey, but it said Wu Tang on the back. Hell yeah, (laughs) that was that was that Wu Tang number thirty (laughs) six. I uh, because you know Wu Tang has the thirty six chambers. Thirty six chambers, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So (laughs) so yeah, uh, that was a jersey I got. Uh, back when I was living in D.C., I'm still a Nationals fan to this day. I yeah. love the Nationals because it was a new team. And I never really cared about baseball, but I was like, wow, it's really cool that we have a new team here. So um, I used to go to the games. Uh, it was a fun atmosphere. Um, I, I've When I moved to Atlanta and I wore that jersey, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, I remember you from the game in D.C. <laughs> I was like, wow. But, uh, you know. That's crazy. That's another. That's another thing uh, that I travel for is uh, it's a goal of mine to go to every major league ballpark. Oh yeah, and I've been to twenty of them. Oh wow, what so, are some what are some big ones you have left? Uh, big, probably the most famous one I have left is Fenway. Okay, I've never, I've never been to Boston, so I got to see Fenway. Um, I did all the ones in California. I, got, I still need to see uh, St. Louis for the Cardinals. Um, I need to see Tampa for the Rays. Um, I'm really, let me see, what else? But but yeah, Fenway would definitely be the most famous one that I've yet to do. Man, I, you know, I think, uh, I think this is a fun goal. And I think this is something that... Uh... <laughs> I just, I just think it's awesome. Uh, I want, like, do you, do you take pictures of them once you're there so that you can kind of document the experience? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm glad you mentioned because uh, when I was in Philly, this was two, three years ago, I went up to Philly because I was visiting B.R. McFadden. I don't know if you remember Brandon McFadden. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we, yeah, he and I were never like close, but I, I, I knew him. I always, uh, uh, you know, I think knew him. Was he at Delay as well? He went to the other middle school. It started with an H, I think. Um, okay. Uh, oh, uh, Hedrick. Hedrick, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where he went. But, yeah, he, he, I met him playing basketball in freshman year. And another one of the coolest guys I still remember. And I, I'll, give, I'll give another comparison from Louisville to D.C. Uh, when I was walking home from either the gym or school or something, I vividly remember him – pulling up to me and just giving me a ride 
And yeah. you know, I didn't ask for it, but you know, he saw me walking. He was like, no, I'm giving my friend a ride. So he picked me up, gave me a ride. And uh, I was like, wow, that was one of the coolest things. But in DC, when I, when I moved to PG County, when I was living in Brandywine, I was walking home because my car broke down. And like, I mean, neighbors drove past. People I knew from school drove past. I'm looking directly in their face. They're just staring at me, driving right on. Like it was, and, and it was like a, a, a two lane road with nobody else on it. And it's like, clearly I'm in distress and nobody, they were just like, fuck that dude. Sucks to be him. <laughs> There's but definitely, like, definitely a change there. But yeah. BR, BR picked me up. I, this was walk, I was walking on Main Street, so it was like a busy street. Yeah, and yeah. Took, picked me up, gave me a ride home. And yeah, like the people, like neighbors were passing me by and didn't give a shit. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, wow, there, there's definitely a difference between here and Louisville. <laughs> Oh God! But but people. oh yeah, like the, I was going I was going somewhere with that. So yeah. I went to see Br because he he invited me. He was like, um, "Let me know if you ever want to go to a Phillies game and you can come visit." And I was like, "Hey, don't tempt me because yeah, right? I'll take you up. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll take you up on your offer." <laughs> and um, and he was like, "No, seriously, come on." So I went up there, and he he lives in Delaware, right outside of Philly. And me and him went to the game. We took some photos in front of the Dr. J statue. Nice. In front of the, there's a Liberty Bell silhouette inside the Philly stadium. Uh, it, it was just a cool experience uh, going up there to see a Phillies game with BR. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, I, I think what's really cool to me about just this whole thing, Charles, is that it's like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like the, the time that we knew each other really was was a short period of time. Mm-hmm. But I think thanks to, you know, I guess maybe the, the importance of those years or, you know, maybe it was just how we hit it off. Like yeah. there was something there to come back to. And, you know, I know that, that when you, when it, you know, we found kind of found each other on social media and all of that stuff, it was like, it's just like, oh, well, this is, this is my friend. Like, this is, this is that, the person that I, I met like way back in the day, we weren't, we weren't, you know, didn't know each other forever, but the time that we did, like it was uh, to, to steal, a, to, to steal some forest gump. It was like peas and carrots. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and yes, I, I totally agree. And I think it has to do with those years and being new and yeah. being a big guy who gets a lot of attention, a lot of eyes. Um, yeah, I, I think me and you can relate, and I think our passion for movies, like, mm-hmm. I, I've been watching your uh, picks, your Golden Avocado, your Andy Awards, yeah. uh, I've, I've been, you know, paying attention, because I, I love movies, too, and I know you have a same, a similar passion, yeah. and um, it, even, even with sports, like, uh, you were saying, that uh you were just out there but you gave it a shot though right you know that i think that's important as to like just taking your um taking your chance taking your opportunities seeing if it's for you sometimes it's not for you but you never know until you try right yeah at least i learned like you know i can't just be the person who was like well i don't want to do it like i i tried i found out you know i there were things about it that i enjoyed but i think because there was something else that I enjoyed more like mm-hmm. that, that made my path go, go theater over sports. And I felt, 
perfectly at home in the theater world and for sports i was like i think i think i think i'm gonna be okay just watching this on tv <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, but but charles this this part of the conversation was a blast but we're not done yet since speaking of movies it's mm-hmm. time for our featured movie of the week so let's talk about j f k I answer that question you keep asking. If I give you the name of the big enchilada, you know, then it's Bon Voyage Dino. I mean like permanent. I mean like a bullet in my head, you dig? Does that help you see my problem a little better? Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a flash of light in the bushes, and then shots rang out. Don't cloak and dagger stuff, you know. They called it Operation Mongoose. It's gonna be okay, Dave. You just talk to us on the record and we'll protect you. Now, I guarantee it. You're so naive. You found us in your office. We think the conference room is also above maybe the phones. I'm not cooperating here. I'm not cooperating here. Listen, there's a death warrant for me. Are the same people gonna kill us, Pop? Nobody's gonna kill us. Y'all gotta get into your minds how the hell the spooks think. Now, they're not ordinary crooks. Think the unthinkable. Question everything. Now, we're through the looking glass here, people. White is black, and black is white. You know? Charles, this is a great movie that I was super surprised like that you picked it not because i you know i not because i didn't know that you you liked it but it was just kind of like this is this is a this is a big movie like right. <laughs> this is this is a full on drama so charles why jfk what what made you pick jfk okay when uh the you posed the question you i think it was like what movie helped shape you or shape uh your thinking or something like that and I remember at a young age seeing this movie and it had such an impact on me because uh, before watching this movie, the only thing I knew about JFK was when I was in first grade and they were teaching us the coins. I remember my first grade teacher said the 50 cent piece uh, for those kids listening to this, that's the one it's, it's like a, it's like bigger than a quarter and it's worth 50 cents. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> money actually, that we don't have anymore <laughs> <laughs> they used to actually teach us that in, in our books or whatever so in first grade they, they had a 50 cent piece and jfk was on it and the teacher said this is john f kennedy he's the president who got his head blown off oh, <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i was like his head blew up she said no, he got his head blown off and i was like how did somebody get their head blown off? So until seeing this movie, I'm like, he got his head blown off. And then uh, that, that's all I knew about JFK. But like after well seeing this movie, it gave me like <clears throat> so many questions and like things that I wouldn't have believed were true. And uh, I remember asking my father, like, is that a movie? Is, is, is this just written in here is this did this actually happen Mm -hmm. and yeah like so many of the of the uh questions i asked the answer was yes that's real that really happened like there really was a magic bullet theory there really was um 
all of these things that happened and it's it was just so shocking like it's just one of the times where you just say the truth is stranger than fiction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and and this story like uh th- th- this movie is is working so hard to kind of like uncover what really happened and it's presenting this uh a, a look at this investigation that happened you know years after the assassination mm-hmm. um after they the, the 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 Warren Commission kind of published what their findings were and what they you know believed to have actually happened and just kind of how there were things that appeared in that report that it's like how is this feasible how can this happen and so right. um, this movie is based upon a true story of Jim Garrison kind of uh, uh, attempting to uncover the uh, conspiracy and. Um, idea that more than one person uh actually pulled the trigger to you know uh, to plot to kill john f kennedy and mm-hmm. it's it is a uh you know three hour plus like whopper of a movie like there are there are so many actors in here that were you know already famous on the road to being famous kind of put them in the forefront where they were just bound to go even further with their fame like mm-hmm. this is this is uh, you knew when I was obsessed with Forrest Gump. Before right. I was obsessed with Forrest Gump, I was obsessed with this movie. Like this oh, was yeah. I was like, gosh, I think this came out in 1991. So I was 10 years old, and yeah. my older brother took me to theaters to see it because you know our father was was really obsessed with with John F. Kennedy and interested in the assassination. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother was obsessed with the assassination, and then that all kind of run ran over onto me, where I became super obsessed with the assassination of JFK. And so, like, I spent my fourth and fifth grade year like writing a book about, oh, this is what really happened. You know, fourth wow. fifth grade kid, I have no idea, but you know, scribbling on a notebook, like taking little segments from these books, and I'm like, this is what happened. This is what they say happened they tried to kill these witnesses (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's there's so much there and so much to look into it just never stops and uh, for me it wasn't until uh later on when i was probably in college and um i was watching the uh it, it was either the comment director's commentary or some behind the scenes interviews and i found out that the mr x guy was actually a real person yeah, his name's Fletcher Prouty, and um, he is just a fascinating guy. And uh, the uh, w- what appears on screen with uh, Donald Sutherland's performance is actually some letters that was written between um, Jim Garrison and Fletcher Prouty. And uh, basically, he uh, was a guy who had been a black operator and had been kind of on the inside of some of these operations. And he was saying, you know, how, how much stunk and how much didn't make sense and how much didn't add up. And uh, his character kind of solidified, crystallized the movie for me when he said, who benefits? Mm -hmm. Follow the money and kings are killed. He said, "We, we, the, the industry has to keep going. How much money did Bell Helicopter make? How long is the Vietnam going to go on and how many people are profiting? That's the point for me. That was the takeaway for me. And um, Donald Sutherland did a great performance, by the way. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the most important, like crystallized 
if you could take one segment of the movie and say, why did JFK get killed? I would say, look at that part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, in a movie that's filled with a lot of like really great moments and great scenes, that is one for me that always stands out as like the pinnacle of that movie. Just these two actors, Kevin Costner, Donald Sutherland, like having a conversation and how deep this idea, you know, that, that somebody other than just one man, Lee Harvey Oswald could have done it. And, mm-hmm. you know, putting that whole argument together of like, well, this is, this is why that would happen. This is how that could happen. These are, these are the reasons why somebody would want that to happen. And it's just this, this fascinating segment that, you know, again, reiterates why to me that I think that Donald Sutherland is probably like, you know, he's somebody who's, who's held in high esteem, but of, of actors that don't have an Academy Award, like he is one that it's like, this, this should be a no brainer. Like he is just, he is, he is fantastic constantly and here it's no different like he is just great in this this one little section um i i wonder like so was it something that at a at a young age for you that you you started to that you that you saw this that you had that like was this true like was it was it during those younger years or was it something that kind of came like you know high school later on because we're in the same we're in the same age range where i think we're both in our are now now entering our 40s um so we would have been you know but it would have been 10 when this movie came out was right. that when you saw it or was it was it later on that you you got to connect with this movie i saw this when it was a new release at blockbuster video heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that was to been either 10 or 11 and yeah. um yeah i i vividly remember seeing this and just being shocked and floored and um thinking like wow like I knew you could question authority like as far as your parents like saying um is that the best thing to do or is like you know like like your parents can be wrong it's it's possible (laughs) for them to be wrong but but like this type of authority like the government having this much to gain from assassination and like the the money that was made in for wars and just the level of corruption was new to me like like what you you mean like there's an industry that makes money off of people getting killed overseas like that was kind of eye-opening to me um reading uh Fletcher Prouty's book and kind of seeing as we were in college um kind of the the build uh, the buildup towards war for the war on terror, mm-hmm. you, you see uh, a lot of the um, apparatus, the military industry, um, you know, pro- continuing to profit. Um, and it's it's something Fletcher Prouty's character, uh, Mr. X, talked about. War is the uh, motivating factor for any civilization. There's people yeah, who are yeah. going to profit from this. Yeah. And it's, 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 um, you know, the thing that's so interesting about this movie is that it's, it's operating on so many levels, like it's operating on being an entertaining movie. Of course, that's, you know, that's what that movies are made for. They're made to be entertaining, but, but these points that you're talking about, this is a movie that is also trying to educate, to try and question and, 
and get to the bottom of this mystery that has been in existence now when we're, we're sitting here having this conversation uh, almost 60 years, 1963. So yeah, uh, almost 60 years ago that we've been, we've been living with this um, story that still doesn't feel completely solved and all of the dealings behind the scenes to make it happen. And it's this, this huge, in this, you know, from from the perspective of the film and and you know uh, probably reality <laughs> uh, that that it's this because of that whole uh, uh, military industrial complex of why this happened, like yeah. because Kennedy wanted to move us out of Vietnam, mm-hmm. and that's that's not good for business. So right. what can we do to make that so it? continues and the best way to make that continue is to keep the war going and how do we do that well let's let's take the person out who wants wants that war to end and it's it's uh you know being 10 years old and and seeing this it's kind of like how can they do that like how how is that possible and i think as you get older and you see how the world works you're like well yeah that's 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 how that can happen because uh people uh, people are out for their own best interests a lot of the time and mm-hmm. it, it it kind of makes it so that you have these um uh, naive and and uh hopeful you know the, the sense of optimism kind of gets shattered when when things like this uh come to be so it's 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 a movie that is is you know tackling so many different things and i think it pulls it off really really well and a lot yeah. of that for me in my opinion uh it starts with the director and oliver stone like this is this is oliver stone like at the height of his powers like are, are there yeah. things happening here creatively for you that really make you just go man like this is oof, what a what a well put together movie absolutely absolutely um as, as long as this movie is there is not one moment I was bored or yeah. went to sleep or even like lost interest because it's that well made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oliver Stone killed it. Uh, I think he is a legend. Like uh, after watching this, I, I was probably in high school before I saw Scarface for the first time. Sure. And he actually wrote that. And um, to see like, uh, I think I heard uh, Oliver Stone on maybe a director's commentary or something, or it, maybe it wasn't a director's commentary, but it was some kind of commentary where he talked about like the research he did for Scarface. Like he was literally going to like cocaine fields and like uh, production facilities and um, meeting with, you know, the people who are involved in the smuggling, the trafficking. Um, he, he gets into it. He knows what he's yeah. talking about. And uh he puts his research to work in a entertaining manner and like keeps the story involved and keeps, keeps the audience involved the, the whole three hours of JFK for sure. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, uh, you know, I rewatched it again uh, last weekend, which was the first time I had seen it in a couple of years. It's one that I, I try and, and watch every so often just because, like it's it's one of my favorites like it, it's a movie that that means a lot to me just 
you know, kind of in my, I guess, in my development as a person. Um, mm-hmm. But but just watching it, it it flies by. Like there's there's no moment in this movie that feels wasted. Like everything that's that's happening is trying to move the story forward, move the characters forward. Uh, you know, give us a a, a different viewing of history um, that's not filtered through. I guess the, the the life magazine lens that made everything look so nice in the, during that time frame, um, mm. but it it really goes there. And he's a filmmaker that's not not afraid to do that because he's you know like you mentioned Scarface that he wrote Scarface, but like he's got Platoon, he has mm-hmm. um, uh, Natural Born Killers. Uh, later on, he would have Nixon, which is another you know uh, look at 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 how the the uh, the presidency can be used for. Uh, nefarious means or, or things that can happen when the people in power try to, uh, you know, hide the truth or, 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 you know, go for things for their own personal gain. It's, it's, he's, he's a filmmaker who's not afraid to push buttons. And for a long time, like he was kind of the star of that, that kind of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's exciting. <laughs> like it's so different and so in your face yeah. and it makes it so it's, it's a lot more entertaining to watch. You know, I say a lot more, but I'm, I'm a big Steven Spielberg fan, so I can't really knock Steven Spielberg, but if you were to put a Spielberg movie next to an Oliver Stone movie, they're both going for very different things. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't necessarily know, if I think that Steven Spielberg could uh, tackle something that Oliver Stone would want to tackle the same way. Um, You know, I love, I love saving private Ryan, but the war movie that saving private Ryan in or uh, Ryan is, is not the same war movie that platoon is like platoons platoons going to get dirty. Uh, Platoon's going to get nasty and it's going to criticize humanity. Whereas saving private Ryan it's a beautiful story and, and filled with triumph, but it's, it's not going to go deep to, to criticize anyone right. really. So, you yeah. know, it, it's two filmmakers who are very good at what they do, but you know, they both have different end goals. And I think stones is uh, kind of to be more eye opening and, and yeah. cause you to question things that you may not usually feel comfortable questioning. Yeah. And I think that it comes from his personal experiences in the Vietnam war and uh, he, his um, disillusionment, you know, he went over there thinking one thing. And then when he was there, he found out that things were a lot different than, you know, his 18 year old mind thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, just a lot, just a lot, uh, uh, a, a lot weighing on him that I think kind of helped influence his, his style of filmmaking and his style of writing. Yeah, and he also did that uh, American History series. Um, that actually was documentary uh, footage, and um, I don't know what streaming service that was on, but that was actually very well done too. You know, and I have never seen that. I, I think it's called The Untold Story of America or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I know that he had made it. I hadn't had a chance to see it, but I've heard it's it's very good, and it's another one where he's not not pulling any punches and, uh, you know, trying to, to show what he wants to show. Um, from a performance aspect, Charles, are, are there performances here in this movie that, you know, really stand out to you? We talked about Donald Sutherland, but I think, you know, in this movie, it has to start with Costner. And yeah. I think, I think for me, I think he's delivering a solid and effective performance. Uh, but 
Costner's <laughs> Costner's accents uh, are are never really the best, <laughs> <laughs> and that stems from Robin Hood and JFK. But I, I still think he gives a solid performance. Are, are there performances in this movie that really stand out to you as something special? I love Kevin Costner's performance in this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, if there was an issue with his accent, it uh, it kind of wasn't as important as like the overall performance to me yeah but, uh yeah i i thought it was fantastic especially the closing argument at the end of the movie mm-hmm. i was like wow um he, so he's playing jim garrison the uh district attorney in new orleans and jim garrison the real life jim garrison also made an appearance in that movie he yeah. was uh, he was playing uh earl warren uh, right supreme court justice and uh, his, his son, uh, Jim, I think his name is Jim Jr., uh, but uh, his son was the prosecutor during the uh, trial at the end. But um, yeah, Kevin Costner was great. Um, Kevin Bacon was in there. So like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's, this, this is this is a big Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon movie. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's like an ensemble. There were so many great performances. Joe Pesci, by the way, he yeah. killed it. yeah. And yeah. and when I when I saw the uh, movie, I was like, "Wow, they, they made him look really weird with the eyebrows and the wig." And mm-hmm. then you look up a picture of the real David Ferry. Yeah, they, they are they, they were really accurate. If anything, they toned it down. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's crazy because uh, David Ferry also appears in uh, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman from a couple of years ago. And, or maybe it was, maybe, yeah, it was a couple years ago. And when I'm watching the movie and they show this guy with red hair and these bushy eyebrows, like bushy drawn on, you know, drawn on eyebrows, I'm like, holy shit, that's David Ferry. And then, you know, know then they introduce, yeah, it's crazy. It's like just, he's in there for like one sequence. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I got to watch JFK. Like I've got to watch JFK <laughs> because it's just, it's so like, you know, he, if you if you've seen this movie and you're you're as connected to this movie as we are, like I think it's kind of like what? your 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 vision of David Ferry is Joe Pesci, but you're right. Like they really they had to dial it down, even when with with Joe Pesci looking, you know, very uh, extreme. Like it still doesn't quite live live up to what David Ferry looked like. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Pesci's performance was <clears throat> definitely memorable. Um, I, I just, I, there are so many, uh, actors that kind of, like you said, were already names and then came up, uh, Walter Matthau, mm-hmm. uh, when they were on the, the scene with Kevin Costner on the airplane, um, he, he had a, he had a good little, he had a few good lines in there. Yeah. Uh, that dog don't hunt. Uh, I still yep. think about that phrase sometimes. If somebody's saying something that does not make any sense, you're like, hold up. <laughs> that dog that don't dog hunt. Don't hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Jack Lemon. Yep. Uh, he, who gets, uh, both, who both gets pistol guys. whipped by Ed Asner? Ed Asner, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have even noticed. Um, Ed Asner was in so many things that I really love if, yeah. if I hadn't like looked for him, but uh, he was actually on the boondocks too. He, he plays, um, he plays uh, Ed Wunsler and um, 
he's like the guy who like owns the bank and everything. And he's, he's always talking shit to granddad on boondocks. <laughs> I have, I've never watched the boondocks. I've, I've heard it's great and I've never had a chance to see it. I've got to find where that's streaming so that I can watch that series just because uh, it's like, on I HBO think, Max. And it is, is it? Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. there was a, was there a comic strip for it too at one point? Yes. Yes. Aaron Magruder, who also nice. was university of Maryland. Hey, hello. hello. So he, <laughs> Terrapin. And uh, it started off in the Washington. No, it actually started off in the college campus paper called the Diamondback. Oh, wow. And he, he took it to the Washington Post and that's where it got, you know, famous. But yeah, Aaron Magruder was the original author and um, he was very involved with the show. Um, but yeah, it, it was a comic strip. And then um, actually Regina King voiced the main character, Huey Freeman. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I'm going to have to watch it. I, I love her. So, uh, yeah, got to go back and watch that. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, this is a movie that, 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 that is so, like I already said, it was something that, that was so kind of instrumental to me, like just a, a, a really important movie and like a theatrical experience that I'll never forget, too, because I believe there was an intermission uh, seeing it in theaters. And that was something that, you know, at that point I had never experienced before growing up with it. It was it was the tape swap, like <laughs> you'd have the end of the first tape and then you got to put the second tape in like this is a this was a two tape movie. So uh, imagine my. Uh, my my shock like you know i I'd, i've owned it on blu-ray for a while and watched it a couple times on blu-ray but it'll always come as a bit of a surprise to me when it's like oh i don't have to i don't have to switch the tapes after he says <laughs> play bertrand <laughs> <laughs> right right that and the sound of music was another one that was two tapes yep 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 and it was just it was like you know i i feel like for so many people that are were used to that you know, you would remember where you'd have to change the tapes. I think Titanic was another one that was a two taper that it was like, you know, once it got to a certain point, it's, it's, uh, Oh, I got a time for the switch over. So, uh, yeah, like I I just, I think this is such a great movie. Uh, are are there any other points about this movie, Charles, that, that you really want to talk about before we kind of wrap things up here and I subject you to five fast questions? Um, I think we've covered uh, the most of it, the, yeah. the major points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's, you know, for me, it's, it's cool that, that this is the movie that you would choose just because, you know, I think when, when I think back on my childhood, it's like, I've got, you know, there was Goonies that I would watch a lot. Uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills cop. I would watch a lot, which I probably shouldn't have because I was like, <laughs> you know, way too young. Uh, you know, gremlins, all of the, 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 the ET, the, the normal kind of kid stuff, but mm-hmm. this movie was like, you know, when it came around it, I feel like it kind of changed everything for me. Like, you know, Forrest Gump was the movie that made me really fall in love and appreciate the magic of the movies and, and the mm-hmm. storytelling of the movies. But Forrest Gump came after JFK and JFK kind of let me see that there were grown-up stories that, right. you know, needed to be told and, and stories that really, you know, may dig to a, a deeper, darker truth than I think uh, a lot of people are willing to face. So when you picked yeah. this, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun because, you know, this was a, this was a formative movie for me. And it, it sounds like it was the same way for you. Like, yeah. is this, is this one that you'll revisit time and time again? Like, or is this like one that it's like, well, now I've watched it. I can kind of put it away for a while. 
No, no, I'll, I'll definitely continue watching this. I love the film. Uh, one other aspect, though, like I'm not big on uh, watching people get hurt. Like I, I never want to watch replays when uh, sports, uh, when athletes get injured and they show the replay. I don't, I don't like watching that, but I could yeah. deal with it on this level because like for some reason, even though there are some gory scenes and it's it's not makeup it's not um yeah. it's, it's not prosthetics these are actual footage of john f kennedy getting shot in the head and his yeah. bloody body but you can deal with it because of the historical importance of it yeah i, I think uh that th this is like the only time where gore like literal actual gore not like simulated gore was i was okay with it because mm -hmm. i i was i, I knew beforehand there was, um, it, it, I knew he'd been assassinated. I knew he got shot in the head. And any other time that, that I wouldn't have been able to tolerate it. But this, it was, if, if, there's a, if there's a possible way to conceive this, it's tastefully done in the yeah. sense that it's not saying um, we're going to show you this because we think it's cool. It's like, no, we're going to show you this to show evidence of the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's something that's shown because it feels important to see what happened, yeah. um, like and and those the autopsy photos that they show in this film they're in a book uh, as well. And I remember like I would get I had the book when I was younger and reading through that. And it's it's something that you know it's it's the kind of thing where it's like ah, I can't believe this happened. And two, it's like you see it in the movie and it's these flashes. And you see the Zapruder film in this movie, and it's like you, it, it's hard to just kind of wrap your mind around that this thing actually happened. But you know, having the book, it, it was one of those things where it's like I'd see it, and then I'd be like, I gotta, I have to move past this page because it's deeply upsetting that this happened to you know a president that now we can view back through the lens that he was certainly a flawed person, but he had these intentions to kind of point the nation in a different direction and get us, get us out of trouble and lead us towards some kind of sense of hope and, and a, a brighter future. And uh, we didn't, we didn't get that because, you know, there was a, there was a disagreement and a, uh, uh, a need to, or a want by some of the wrong people to take him out. That's the, the belief that I will have that, that there was a, a conspiracy to, uh, take this president out of the world and that's that's what they did but man this is a a powerful movie uh really really great cho choice charles and uh it's just been th th this last hour and 45 minutes charles has been awesome like it has just been so great getting to talk to you and getting to catch up with you absolutely anytime man I'll yeah do it again good well i'm not done yet charles you now have the most difficult part of the show Mm -hmm. And that is the fat five. These are five rapid fire questions to kind of gauge your um, level of movie love so that people get an understanding of what you like, what you're into. Are you ready for the fat five? I am ready. I've been listening awesome. to other interviews and I am prepared. <laughs> it's, uh, you, you and Brad both did your homework for this one. So that's, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, question one. What is your favorite movie of all time? When I was a kid, I would have said Star Wars. Sure. Um, as an adult, I, I have 
kind of a lean. I, I kind of lean towards V for Vendetta. Okay. It's, it's yeah. just a, a masterpiece for me. But um, I think like the just just lo- learning to love movies and having one movie that kind of brought me into like, oh, this is Hollywood magic. Like the end of Star Wars when they're getting medals or whatever, yeah. that that is like the the five-year-old's kind of idea of like the perfect ending. And uh, I grew up with that as like the pinnacle. So like that started it for me, Star Wars. It, it's, it's what started it. And uh, it still has a special place in my heart. Yeah, I I love Star Wars, so <laughs> I, I I get it. Uh, question number two: Who is your favorite actor? Your favorite male performer? I would have to say Denzel Washington. Oh, yep, perfect. I think there's never been a role where he didn't just absolutely kill it. Mm-hmm. Like when he was in Ricochet, and he was a cop that was like an action hero type guy who could come back from the worst setups and you know losing his life losing his social life and you know and and i was like i buy him in that like i i really do buy him and then when he's the crooked cop on uh training day i'm like wow he's the dirtiest grimiest shittiest cop you could possibly imagine and then and then when he's a pilot in flight i'm like wow he is the pilot who could land that plane he's the only guy who could who could have done that yeah Every role I see Denzel Washington, I, I think he kills it. And yeah. uh, and just just a question for you. Um, yeah. That year that he was nominated for Best Actor and uh, Ben Affleck's brother won, I, I didn't see their movies. I, I didn't see Fences or the one that Casey Affleck was in. Yeah. W- would you say that was like a better performance? Uh, yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington killed it in Fences. Like, it, Fences is uh it's it's a much like uh ma rainey's black bottom it's from the same same playwright uh, that wrote that it's mm-hmm. very very talky so it's all dialogue driven but mm-hmm. man like seeing denzel washington as someone that like as a as a person and as a presence that i just love like mm-hmm. seeing him kind of play a ugh, an, an asshole father it's mm-hmm. tough but man he is great like he is just the uh powerhouse in that movie I, I think there was somebody else that year that i wanted to win I, but right now i can't i can't remember who that was uh yeah. but yeah i i personally feel like denzel was better that year uh just like i think viola davis was better that year too and i don't i don't think she won but yeah no, no she did she did win that year yeah okay yeah yeah so yeah just, she just, won just a point about fences I saw, um, so Denzel has played that role, I think on Broadway and on in uh, theater. Yeah. And I've seen a clip of the Denzel performance of that character. Mm-hmm. And I saw the same clip with uh, James Earl Jones playing the father. Yeah. It is a night and day difference. Yeah. Because there's, there's uh, the scene where um, Denzel plays it very kind of funny, like the audience is laughing. And they're yeah. like, oh, um, we, it, it's it's coming across coming across as, as humorous. But when James Earl Jones was delivering the same lines, <laughs> I was terrified. Is he going to kill this boy? Is he yep. going <laughs> to? I was like, wow. And, yeah. and, and for that reason, I, I was like, that it, maybe Denzel might play this role a little more Denzel than mm-hmm. like 
the the glimpse I saw of James Earl Jones that, that I liked more. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it more when it, the father was like the scary figure. Yeah, and 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 Denzel gets there, but I think he's he likes to vary, like kind of tell the story, you know, play it light a little bit here, play it a little funny here, and then once the the trigger's pulled, like Denzel goes full on, like you're you're afraid, like he is he is a monster, like just, just a, a a monster in that movie. So yeah, I think it's I I think uh, I think James Earl Jones is a a. a deeper scarier just more intense presence because i think i've seen the clip of him in that role too and uh yeah i was i was also more terrified of james (laughs) earl jones uh but i think after seeing the movie uh they they both i I wouldn't want either one of them to yell at me (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, but while while we're on best actor yeah um the I, I, there's got to be a couple of guys I named for honorable, honorable mention. Yeah. But, um, I got to say Johnny Depp deserves some credit. Okay. Okay. Like, I saw him do um, like everybody knows him as Jack Sparrow and mm-hmm. the Pirates of the Caribbean. And he, he does that role on, like the way only he could do it. Yeah. But, but also he can be a gangster like in uh, Donnie Brasco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that is night and day difference. And, and he does all of the Tim Burton movies. Yeah. And it's like, wow, he it, just to, to sell these roles as like these completely different characters. And like he's, he's a different type of uh, drug dealer, gangster in Blow when yeah. he's playing George Young. And it's like, it's so much range and so much uh, variety it's like it's almost doesn't seem like the same person yeah yeah i think i think there are a lot of performances in johnny depp's career that are just uh, spectacular i i'm not the biggest fan of his anymore like since since pirates and and a lot of the later tim burton movies I think he's someone that needs needs a shakeup in his career. Needs to try and do something different again uh, yeah. because I feel like he's getting comfortable. But but early Johnny Depp, oh, like he's he's started off as something really fantastic, and I think I think it's there. I think he can get there again. I think he maybe just needs to not work with Tim Burton for a little while and, yeah, I, and, I, and I try agree. something different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You can the the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was kind of over the top. Like, yeah. uh, I'm like, no, that's we didn't know the world didn't need this. Right. <laughs> Did yeah. you have another honorable mention? I have to mention Hugo Weaving. Yeah, Hugo Weaving. So The Matrix is a legendary movie. Came out when we were seniors in high school. Yep. And uh, that it, I he stood out so much that like I knew. Keanu Reeves, I knew Lawrence Fishburne, but like the Mr. Smith, that guy and the way he played it, I was like, wow. But then when he did V for Vendetta, I was like, okay, this guy's one of my favorite actors. Yeah. 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 He, he, He definitely deserves some credit. Yeah. I think, I think Hugo Weaving is, uh, one of those talents that really, uh, uh, he's going to be overlooked by a lot of people. And I think that's too bad because he is just fantastic and, and consistently fantastic in everything that he does. So yeah. good choices. Good choices. Uh, question number three. Uh, yeah. Three. Who is your favorite actress, your favorite female performer? All right. This um, probably would have been different without like the last 
maybe 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. But uh, Regina King comes to mind because of, I think the Watchmen has a lot to do with that. Like I loved her performance in Watchmen and um, Boondocks is one of my favorite shows. And she does both Huey Freeman and Riley Freeman. And that show just wouldn't be what it is without her. Um, I think uh, she's, she's been in so many movies. It's like really hard to comprehend that she was in like boys in the hood and two, two seven. And that was like 40 years ago. Yep. And, uh, she she still seems you know pretty young like she doesn't seem like someone her age but she's definitely still um looking good at this age and yeah uh, she's still putting up great performances but yeah Watchmen her as like the kick-ass sister knight and like the star of the show I was like okay I think I have a new favorite actress yeah yeah she is she is awesome and watchmen i always think back to the first thing that i remember seeing her in i used to watch 227 but i think for me that was always uh you know jack a and uh uh uh, martha gibbs marla gibbs like that's those were the two people that i always paid attention to on 227 but i remember her in poetic justice like that was like you know my my love for janet jackson at that time was ridiculous like through the roof but i think that was every every boy at that age was like i love janet jackson um but you know i remember regina king in that movie too because i think there was the there was the sex scene with her and joe tory and she was bored like just watching her like have this love scene and the look on her face of like the this is this is so great (laughs) but uh, you know other than that like since then like she has just been this this phenomenal force and her her directorial debut this year uh she was robbed of an oscar nomination uh because i think one night in miami was spectacular and yeah i just think i think though that it'll it'll give her a chance to keep directing and she'll get there she'll she'll get to the that that podium soon so good choice i still need, I still need to see them yeah it's great do you have any uh, any actress honorable mentions? Um, I would probably have to mention Sharon Stone. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially, I would say the standout for me was Casino. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the character she played and how well she played it, and it was so believable. Like she's this hot um, kind of she she's like ruling the Vegas nightlife. You know, she's giving everybody on the floor tips and getting, you know, drugs and information from people. And and just the way she, uh, her character uh, took advantage of the whole <laughs> situation with Rothstein. And I was like, wow, what a what a character, what a performance. And yeah, I, I would say that, that was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think especially that era, Sharon Stone, just like she was she could almost do no wrong i think she was just uh uh, pretty spectacular in everything that she did uh next question question number four uh usually it would be who is your favorite director but i like to phrase it a little bit differently is there a director that if they released a film tomorrow you wouldn't need to know anything about it wouldn't need to know the cast wouldn't need to see a trailer no plot you just would be there for the uh, based on the the name of that director alone tarantino yeah 
Tarantino for me, um, I didn't want to see any trailers for Hateful Eight. I was like, Tarantino made a movie, I'm seeing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't happen to like Hateful Eight all, all that much, <laughs> but I, I, if it has his name on it, I will watch it. It's it's really um, satisfying just seeing the movies of his that I love because they're so different. Like Kill Bill is really with the animation and everything i'm like wow he, he doesn't he hasn't done animation before yeah and um i really uh love django i think that was kind of a masterpiece that isn't even appreciated enough yeah um pulp fiction of course like the lines the quotable lines from that movie um yeah anything tarantino does I will see it. I don't need to see a trailer. Don't want to see a trailer, really. I'd, I'd sure, rather go sure. and be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think that's a great answer. I think uh, Tarantino is uh, uh, kind of a, a the the master auteur of our generation. That mm-hmm. anything he does, you know, even if it's not your favorite, I think there's going to be something interesting about it that'll make you be like, "I'm glad that I watched this." So, yeah, yeah. great pick. Last question, Charles. This is question number five. So with the release date shakeup being what it is and not really knowing when something is supposed to come out, I've kind of changed this question up a little bit. Is there a movie that is scheduled to come out that you are really excited to see? Or is there a movie that's out right now that you haven't had a chance to see that as soon as you can, you will? Okay. Um, The movie that I'm excited to see I'm, I definitely want to see what they're going to do with this Top Gun sequel. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's already done. They're just like holding it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and am, am I, did, did, did I hear there was a Matrix 4 that's already been made? Yep. Yep. They were filming that and it's it should come out. I can't remember if it's scheduled to come out this year or next year, but it is it is done and ready to go. Okay. Yeah. That one, uh, wouldn't want to see a trailer. Uh, yeah. I think the third one was so kind of bad that um, people are, you know, got their people might have their fingers crossed for this one, hoping it doesn't kind of, it doesn't, it's not as bad as the third one. Yeah. But um, the first Matrix, I love. The second one is more of an action movie and it was totally different, but I really mm-hmm. liked it. Yeah. Um, I actually have a poster from The Matrix Reloaded, uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne with the two uh, MP5s. Those are cool posters. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, Let's see. I was waiting for Coming to America for 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) That one came out. Um, But as far as movies I'm looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, Black Widow. I want to see what you do. Yeah, I think that'll be I think that'll be fun. And I think too as like the first Marvel movie that we've had in gosh, over a year, like I think it'll be uh, a pretty big event once that one gets released and people get to see it because I kind of think uh since we've gotten so used to Marvel movies and had to go so long without one, everybody's going to rush out to see it. So, I yeah. think it'll be a hit. But yeah, I I I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on The Matrix and and Top Gun as well. I think those are three that I I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. One more side question about um, the, we're just talking about the, not the Matrix. Um, I I just had, we were 
we were saying Black Widow. Oh yeah, Black Widow. Okay, so Black Widow um, to me seems like it's going to be you know a super hot Russian spy who's kind of an action hero, and it's like the PG thirteen version or whatever of what Red Sparrow was. <laughs> But probably better. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it'll have like the Disney money behind yeah. it. Yeah. Like, did you see Red Sparrow? I did see Red Sparrow. I, I was. Thought, uh, did you like that one? I thought it was great. Like I thought yeah. Jennifer Lawrence as like the hot Russian spy who's kicking ass and just. I was like, but but that is such a hard R, and they yeah. they do so much in that one that they could never do in Black Black Widow. Yeah. I was like. I wonder, have I been kind of spoiled by that or is that going to desensitize me? Because they're kind of similar characters, but one is not an Avenger, you know, yeah. uh, Red Sparrow's not an Avenger, but I thought uh, that one is such a hard movie and this one is going to be a lot softer because it kind of has to. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you kind of go in there with the frame of mind that this is going to be kind of gearing back to your typical comic book fair, I think uh, you'll be able to kind of roll with it. But yeah, I think it won't be anywhere near as violent and, you know, sexual or, or uh, probably nowhere near as many F-bombs in that one as well. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I think the, the F-bombs do help the comic book movies too, like Blade yeah. and yeah. Uh, uh, Deadpool they stand out for oh yeah logan too yeah like the the grittiness and like the hard um a hard r mm -hmm. in, in in comic book movies can go a long way yeah i think i think for the the filmmakers that are willing to go there i think if they when they do it right like like the ones you mentioned uh i think with uh um um oh shoot no i think you said logan so yeah, yeah. i think with logan that I, those are just uh, pretty perfect. I, I also really like the kick-ass movies. I thought those were a lot yeah. of fun too. And those ones are not afraid to to earn that R rating. So <laughs> I think if they do it right, they can they can pull something off there. Uh, Charles, I, I cannot tell you enough how great this was. This was just oh my my heart is happy like this this was another just really nice experience getting to getting to talk with you and getting to connect with you after all these years is there anywhere that that if you want to kind of share with people online like where they can find you online or or are you are you not uh uh open to everyone's social media person is there anywhere people can find you online oh yeah yeah they can follow me on um on instagram at chill wit charles not with just chill with w-i-t charles uh same thing on twitter um i will probably do i've been meaning to do more youtube videos i got i have a youtube channel uh charles b chilling but it's uh i i, I will post a video this year for sure like <laughs> it's been a minute nice. since i posted one <laughs> but uh yeah, uh, chill with Charles on Instagram is probably the best place to find me. And and if you're watching Coming to America 2, you can look <laughs> in the background and see me walking behind Eddie Murphy when he introduces himself to his son. I'm yeah. wearing a red hoodie and a black leather jacket, and you're going to have to use that pause button to find me. <laughs> there's three shots where I am walking in the background. It's, it was so much, it was so fun to see. It was fun to get your message was like, here I am. <laughs> that was awesome. If, uh, if, there's, if there's a deleted scene there it, on the, on the DVD or whatever, or the Blu-ray there, there was another scene where I know I got in the shot 
when um, because for uh, the guy who's scalping tickets for Eddie's son, or whatever, he actually gets arrested, and there's a scene where the Wakanda um, force or whatever the the guards come out yeah. and stop the arrest and it and it got cut from the movie or whatever but if that's in the deleted scenes there might be a shot of me in there i'm pretty sure oh, nice i will i will watch for that uh charles again this was this was so great and like like you said we'll have to do this again uh i'm gonna make you the promise that i've made brad and robbie and that this is not gonna be the last time that we talk i'm not gonna wait another 20 something years <laughs> before we have a conversation uh I just, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I know what you're up to, know what's going on and make sure that we have a, a way to touch base every now and again, because this has just been great. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, again, I cannot thank you enough. This has been wonderful. Definitely a lot of fun. I'm down to do it anytime. And uh, yes, I had a great time. A huge, huge, colossal thank you to Charles Holman uh god it was it was just this has been great like it's been great talking to these people that really like i don't know i I mean maybe part of it is because i'm getting older um i i treasure a lot of the friendships that i have like i treasure i treasure these friendships like robbie brad charles these ones that i've had for so long and i i treasure the friendships that i'm making now like it is, it's, it's, it means so much to be able to have people like, like those three, like Blake, like Casey, like, like Brian, like Jameson, like Sam Lenz, Corey, Derek, like these people that just get me. My friend Pierce, like I've got friends from college, Roseanne and Jennifer and Rusty and all of these people who have really just meant so much to me and, and, and continuing to make friends, you know, theater friends, Christine and Jess, and just like, I, maybe I'm getting old and, and it's, it, it means a lot. Charlie, like, I'm just going to keep throwing out names and I don't, but I don't want to do that because I know I'm going to leave somebody out and then I'm going to hear from people and they're going to be like, am I not your friend? Yes, you're my friend, but I don't know. There's, there's this it, it means a lot. And, and I think kind of looking back and talking with a friend who knew me then, even though it was a very short time in my life, uh, that, that middle school, high school era kind of starts to set a, a precedent for who you are as a person or, or who you were. Maybe you changed so much that you have to look back and remember that the person, the person who you used to be. And uh, getting this opportunity to speak with people from from that time frame. And then my friends from now, my friends from college, Reese, like, you know, uh, just all of these people remind me of, of who I am at my core. And it's great to go down memory lane with these people and just, I don't know, just, just talk about life and enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, a huge thank you to Charles. I, I'm filled with gratitude. Um to, to have this opportunity to have this kind of forum where I can do this, where I can just be like, you know who I want to talk to. I haven't talked to in a while, such and such. I'm going to do that. It, it's just, it, it, it means the world to me. So I, I hope that the people who I come, come in contact with on a regular basis and people that I talk to that, uh, I, I hope they know how much they mean to me. Um, yeah. So this was a meaningful episode and man, I, I'm, I'm just grateful. 
Uh, that's going to do it, though, for this episode. I've got a rangabunctious cat. Uh, I've got a thunderstorm brewing outside, so it's time to wrap this up and move along. Uh, you can follow All Things Fat Dude at Diggs Flicks on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just do a search for Fat Dude Diggs Flicks. You will find me there. Uh, I review every movie that I watch, and I'm getting really good about getting back in the habit of that. Uh, I have one uh, new release that I still have left to write a review for, and I've got this movie to write a review for, which will be up by the time or shortly after this podcast drops. Uh, but I've been, I've been doing pretty good. It's just TV shows where I'm kind of caught uh, behind on. But yes, Fat Dude Digs Flicks, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast. Review this podcast. Rate this podcast. Share this podcast. Like this podcast. All those podcasty type things. Please, please, please do that. I would love to grow this audience, and the best way to do that uh, would be with your help. Just just share this thing that I'm doing. Uh, I would really appreciate it. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Amazon Music, anywhere your pods can be caught. Uh, make sure you follow the guys from Backlot605. Same social media, same podcast places. Uh, they are just great. Even go to backlot605.com to see all of the things that they are up to. What else do I need to plug? Oh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, uh, topics you would like to see me cover, uh, please uh, 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 shoot an email to fatdudedigsflicks at gmail.com. Um, also, if you subscribe to this podcast, you can also get a chance to listen to the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake. It is a once a month. <laughs> podcast uh, and I am joined by Blake Ginnethan of Backlot 605 and we get a chance to really dive into the Criterion Collection proper and the Criterion Channel and just talk about those movies that uh, either we love or we've never uh, had a chance to watch before and we will record another episode one of these days. I, I know it. I know we will uh, but for the time being you get to enjoy Let's Talk About and that is it. So, we'll see you here next week. Same fat time, same fat channel, and let's taco about movies. Uh, stay safe out there, wash your hands, wear a mask, get your vaccination if you can do that. That would be awesome. Uh, cases are on the uptick, so let's work to bring them down. Just, just keep staying safe out there. And also, uh, don't hate people. <laughs> don't, don't, oh God. I, I, there's a whole other topic of conversation that I could just dive into right now. I get that this isn't the forum for it, but, um, yeah, if you're paying attention to the news at all, and I think I may have briefly mentioned this at the end of last week's episode, this is usually the, the spot in these last couple of minutes where I'm trying to say goodbye and then something kind of hits me and I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about this. Um, the, there's been a, a, it's not even a rise right now. Over the, la the course of the last year, there's been an uptick in uh, hate crimes against people of, of Asian descent, Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, um, you know, people, people of that uh, racial background. And it's hard to sit back and stay silent about it. So 
I'm not going to. I, I get this is not a political podcast. This is a movie and conversation podcast. Um, but it's time to stand up and do something. So if you see, hear, or are, are, are in any way witness to an act of violence being perpetrated against an Asian American uh, or anyone of, of Asian descent, um, do something. Stand up, speak out. Uh, there are plenty of resources online. I will try and include some in the show notes for this episode. Um, but it's it's something that just seems to keep happening. And let's let's be better than this. Um, let's let's make a difference here. Let's 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 fucking stop it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's gonna do it. <laughs> you know, same fat time, fat channel. Wear a mask. Yada yada. Talk about movies. I worked myself up into a depressed frenzy, so be better, okay? If you're listening to this show, and you regularly listen to this show, and always make it to the end of this episode, chances are you're not a person who needs to hear this, so say it to somebody who does. That's gonna do it. I'm out. Bye. Thank you for listening to Fat Dude Digs Flicks. 